Support for Best of Belfast comes from listeners just like me who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. Massive thanks to all of you listening who have already joined the Producers Club, especially our Titanic producers, Barclays Eagle Labs, Ulster University, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, Gavin Wall, Peter Dixon, and of course, the Ormobiles team. To find out more about how you can support independent ad-free media, get invitations to live podcasts, and submit questions to our guests, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Thanks so much, and we really hope you enjoy today's show. Do you ever feel like there's just too much noise in your life? Notifications, email, social media, advertisements, all vying for our attention and trying to get us to listen. In this episode, we sit down with Simon Worthington to chat about the dying out practice of reading a good paper publication. When he's not working as an accountant, Simon is the editor of Turf and Grain, a magazine focused on sharing the stories of local people across the island of Ireland. In this interview, we chatted about what it's like to balance the business side of life with the creative, how Simon manages to run a magazine while working full-time as an accountant, and why he changed from being a quitter to a doer. To see a photo of Simon or check out our back catalogue of other interviews, you can head on over to bestofbelfast.org. But for now, pull up a chair, grab a cup of tea, and tune out the world for a while as you join us with this incredible chat with Simon. Hope that you enjoy. I know that I certainly did. What do you usually do on a rainy day? I like to read, you know, or talking grains kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, just get my coat on, go for a walk, you know. I never would really let the rain stop me. In fact, I quite like it. I felt so bad there when it was sunny. There's days, like I was just saying, like people like, I wish it would kind of rain for one day to give me a wee <laughs> break here because I kind of like the rain and it would have been quite good. That's funny. Uh, one of my friends are Swedish and they always say, there's like some sort of Swedish saying, it's like there's no such thing as bad weather. Just bad clothing or something yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true, though. It is so true. A good raincoat's worth its weight in gold, isn't it? Definitely. Just to get out. Yeah. No, I would never let it stop me. I don't think. But rain, I don't know. Rain days are nice, especially when you're inside. You see outside, like, yeah. there's, like, raindrops on the window pane, and you're trying to do some writing or something. It's quite nice. That's it. It's cozy, cozy little uh, yeah. podcasting weather, you know, just cozy. Yeah, in. or do podcasts. Nice like, cup I, of tea. I can do, be featured on a podcast when it's raining. That's quite a good one. You try not to slurp that while we're interviewing. <laughs> right, you ready? Let's do it. Simon Worthington, hello. Hi, Matt. How's it going? Thank you so much for taking your time to be here. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So, question we always start off with, as you probably know by now, and I hope <laughs> that you haven't been doing your homework, uh, is, of course, if you were to walk into an elevator and Big Liam Neeson was standing there, how would you introduce yourself? It's actually quite funny. I had a similar experience. It wasn't big lame now, but um, on my way back from Portland one one summer, I bumped into Andrew Garfield in a lift. Unbelievable. And it was just me and him for about three floors going down. <laughs> I said nothing. I gave him a wee nod and he gave me a wee nod back. But I like to think if I saw Liam Neeson in a lift, I think I'd have the courage now. I've had my Andrew Garfield experience. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I could just push past it. So I think I'd say, just introduce myself. Maybe just be like, hi, Liam. I'm a big fan. My name's Simon Winston and I, like, I'm the editor of Turf and Grain magazine here. It's like an independent magazine based in Belfast and just tells the stories about people all across Ireland, really. And I'd like to see what you say about that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I love that picture of the of Liam Neeson that you showed me in the lyric here. Oh yeah, Colin Davidson stuff's so nice. Just like the eyes and stuff are so realistic and even though it's like the use of color and things you use throughout just they're really beautiful this and they're just like out in display for people to see as they walk past and have a coffee and stuff it's just amazing just like i don't know it's great unbelievable so turf and grain tell us what's in the name where did the name come from was it you that came up with it or did you get yeah. that from someone else yeah well i co-founded turf and grain with one of my friends but um it was very much at the idea stage because we began just like taking photographs for fun and like little bits and pieces. Like I had one of my some of my photographs like taken by like, the National Trust and stuff. So it was kind of like we were just taking photographs and things, and there was no real outlet for those. Like we didn't really know where to share them with people and stuff, apart from just on Instagram and things. So together we kind of made like a little website and things, and we just kept like sharing each other's photos and stuff. And it was kind of like how can we build this? Um, 
And then we kind of come up with an idea of a name for the project because it started as kind of an overall project, kind of like a website as opposed to like a magazine. And it was just like, we want to kind of, it's about promoting like grassroots Irish talent. Do you know what I mean? So it just like, there's no ever, there's never any like intention to monetize or anything. It was just effectively, it's like, we want to help people get a platform. Wouldn't that be cool? So it's kind of like, um, a platform for people so we kind of tried to play with some like irish imagery and stuff and we just kind of thought about, like those like wet walks outdoors in ireland <laughs> and stuff and just like the green grass and things and we kind of kept coming back to that one so we kind of thought of, like of turf and i was like yeah we could just call it like turf that'd be cool but then we decided we'd go for like turf and grain as well because we kind of like trying to like nourish the project so it was like grain so Love that's it. where that kind of came from that's awesome but yeah that's 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 where the name came from i, I had no idea i'm actually i'm actually glad i asked that now it's the perks of the podcast. You get to find out things that you want to find out. So cool. this sounds like it's a very loaded question. I promise you it's not. Mm. Why did you decide to limit yourself just to the island of Ireland? Well, I think I need to maybe explain a bit more why Like I started like the project as a magazine, why I really decided to go for it from there. So my, co- it, my, my co-founder, um, her name's Tori, and she, she actually moved to Canada. And so I kind of, it was kind of my idea anyway a wee bit so i kind of wanted to just go and push it forward and i always knew i wanted to kind of make a publication um and i think i wanted to celebrate people from ireland because a lot of my friends from school left ireland when i went to school here in belfast and i did most of my time at university here in belfast and most of those people left straight away after and a lot of my friends from from belfast don't really want to return here they have this image in their head that it's not that great a place to live um I don't know why. I think it was more maybe when we were when we were sixteen, there wasn't that many places to hang out, which is just not true anymore. There's yeah. so there's so much here. Um so I think I really was just wanting to make a project that would show people that Ireland is full of people doing such like interesting things. And it doesn't have to be like a celebrity and stuff. It's just like people you walked on the street could tell you a story that would amaze you, do you know what I mean? And I just kind of felt like I limited it to Ireland because there's enough content in Ireland, like there's enough content to fill a countless magazines do you know I mean so i i kind of wanted to limit to ireland because it just kind of helped focus the project around that theme of just showing people that ireland's a great place to live um maybe like don't forget that that's yeah like, do you know what I mean that's unbelievable man so when i first saw turf and grain i was like this is amazing this is totally what i'm about i love sharing local stories it's amazing to see it in a, a print publication and I just thought that this was some sort of journalist or some sort of uber, uber cultural icon who was just going to be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to make this magazine. And then someone told me, I think it was actually Gareth Patterson. That was, mm. that was like episode number three with Gareth. He was saying, he was the first person that mentioned Turf and Green to me. And he said that, yeah, and the guy's like an accountant at EY. And I was <laughs> like, what? So... Tell us about that. You know, why why did you get into accounting in the first place? Um, well, I think, again, it has to start a bit earlier. So I keep I keep jumping back in time Let's and you ask me it. questions. I but um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I went to university. I, I, I just, I wanted to do law, I thought. But then when it came to like the UCAS time, I just changed my answers at the last minute. Because <laughs> I enjoyed history at school. I always loved learning about like the written traditions and stuff of it and like analyzing things and the trends and the way people behave and stuff. And like, so I did history at university and it's not something I really regret because it opens so many doors, but it's not a very focused degree at the same time, unless you want to go into academia with that. And then I spent a semester and well, I spent a year, sorry, in France studying and I took that time. I didn't really do that much work because it was very sunny, but I came back and (laughs) I decided that it'd be about time I actually thought about what I wanted to do because I'd put it off for long enough and I had always enjoyed reading. Like ever since I could read, I've been reading like nonstop. And when I was about 16, I got bored of reading and started writing instead. Awesome. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I kind of was always doing those things the whole way through university. So I was, I was the editor of the magazine at Queen's which I don't think is going anymore, but it was it was going when I was there. So uh, I'm not sure if it's <laughs> if my fault. If you still been there, man, it would have been going. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so I was then I was just kind of doing bits and pieces of writing. So I, I was writing for, like, there's a local music magazine online called The Thin Air. So I did a bit of, like, gig review for them and stuff. And then I was writing for other publications in, like, the UK, Ireland, and further afield as well, just, like, completely for fun and sometimes getting paid for it and stuff. And I decided that I really wanted to pursue a career in publishing. So I actually spent a bit of time 
after university trying to pursue that. So I was going wow. around doing internships and stuff. I had no idea. But there's such a culture, I think, in London where like if you don't um if you don't have like a master's or something in it or you don't really know someone that they're quite like they're quite likely to just rely on interns for like the entry level positions. So I was bouncing between a couple of those and none of them stuck just because they just were happy to fill my space with another intern instead of taking me on full time. And I came back to to Northern Ireland completely demoralized, if I'm honest, thinking like, oh wow, like yeah, I didn't like I how can I ever get into that industry, which I always kind of thought would be kind of cool. And my dad gave me some really good advice. He was just like I was like I was just like saying to him about like I needed to find a job now. He's like, you need to find a job, that's right. And then he was like, What do you want from a job? And I was just like, I'm not really sure. He's like, well, do you want to be challenging? I was like, yes. He's like, do you want to make some money? I was like, yeah, that's kind of the purpose, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Of working. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And then he was like, do you want to do you want to be able to travel someday and all that sort of stuff? And I was like, you know, yeah, that sounds great. He's like, I can't see your law. Wow. And then he was saying, like he just said, the, the company I work for, they're hiring. Put your CV in. And I got that job. And it has been challenging. <laughs> I imagine. Um, so I've actually disqualified as a chartered accountant there this year and last year, sorry. And it was challenging, just the hours and stuff. And I had no idea about Well, I had no idea what I was doing when I joined. Yeah. Accountancy is just was alien to me. And I remember it was almost comical, like the first couple of months <laughs> in meetings, people saying these terms I just didn't understand. There was like a sitcom or something, like <laughs> this, everything whizzing right over my head. And but yeah, I, it was challenging. I've made a bit of money from it because it's work, and I've traveled quite a lot around the UK and and Ireland doing work. So it's it's exactly everything my dad told me to do, and it gave me a good a good basis to work from. It's amazing. I I'm dying now to interview your dad and just get him to give me some life advice. <laughs> oh dear, sounds <laughs> like a wise guy. Um, don't let him hear. I don't hope he, hope he doesn't hear that. I'll give him a bit of an <laughs> But um, it was something funny because I've always been quite creative. I've played music since I was quite young and stuff. And I, like I said, I always I was writing and things as well. But when it came to kind of my second year of, of of my training contract, I was still in the middle of exams, still working flat out. Something wasn't enough in that for me. Like I needed something more. I needed a creative outlet. I think it was. I didn't really know it at the time, but that's kind of why I went ahead with Turf and Green and kind of made it. And I kind of felt like I'd given up far too easily on the, pu- on the publishing as well. Like I've, I, I felt like I just given up. If I had persevered a bit longer, maybe I would have got something. So I was really frustrated at work and it was, it's not because of anyone that works there. It's a really good place to work and stuff. It's just, I needed something else personally. And then that's just where I made Turf and Green. So it was, it was extra challenging because I was doing both at the same time. Like you know what I mean? If anyone knows about that, it would be Gareth Patterson being a GP and doing yeah, a coffee yeah. map at the same time. But I needed it and I still juggle that today. But I'm so happy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't mind being busy. I don't mind being incredibly busy. It's worth it to have that balance in my life. Amazing. So I've been listening to this amazing podcast series. It's a podcast called The Creative Pep Talk. It's by a guy called Andy J. Pizza. And it's, it's one of my all-time favorites. I found it incredibly helpful. Uh, in my life and business and career and everything like that. The one yesterday was all about side quests and what he was trying to say <laughs> about that was sometimes you go and you try to slay the dragon right off the bat and you fail because you're not strong enough. Uh, but then you go on these side quests and you're like, why am I doing these lame side quests? Like, this really sucks. Like, da da da. But then it actually gives you the skills and the strength and maybe even the courage that you need to then eventually go on and slay the dragon. So it's funny how you did have a go at publishing you did get in there you seem to take a completely different career twist and you're like oh i'm going to be an accountant now but then within that you find what you need to find to now run and publish an absolutely incredible incredible magazine i, I think, think that's really interesting i think um i needed accountancy because i don't think i was mature enough for like for work and that's something that another thing that kind of would come back to me when i was thinking about making turf and grain it was just kind of like you give up because you weren't ready for it yet and accountancy give me even just like the basic skills of going to like a corporate environment it's just like turning up on time getting like jobs done to deadlines and stuff and working as a team under like lots of pressure i needed it in my life it matured me and i don't think turf and would exist if i didn't have it so it is interesting i but then talking about failing at side quests like issue one like i i kind of made it as a concept for myself and yeah I'd never used InDesign before. 
in my life really which like, is a like an adobe <clears throat> software isn't it yeah sorry it's the it's the, the software you'd use to to design a magazine and so when you, like issue one when it actually came to my doorstep like loads of the images were just a little bit squashed or something <laughs> like just like really pretty much every basic error you could make <laughs> in making a magazine like i made it in issue one and talking about failing in terms of a side quest like i really considered packing it in but then i was like no like you're gonna just go and learn how to do it right and hopefully i'm a bit further along in that path now but yeah incredible so i had no idea that you you had a background and a real interest in publishing that's that makes sense now it makes a lot of sense do you what do you think how do you think being an accountant has made you set this project up differently like what skills have you learned that maybe because it is i'm not saying setting up the business but sort of setting up the business because you know whenever you're dealing with print there's a lot of numbers involved there's a lot of of moving uh financial stuff and there's you know you got to figure out how many to get and how many to buy and how many to print and what to sell them for and da 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 did your accounting kind of help you in that because for me i would have no clue when it comes to something like that i think it really did help so that's like i think that's a really good question i think it helped massively like i can't maybe can't do justice just quite much how much it helped but i think the main thing was more as my in my job as an accountant i'm like i think people have this idea of accountancy being super administrative like you're just sitting in a little gray box with your calculator <laughs> all day and it's not really like that like you are speaking to people who run businesses all the time and like helping them run them better and i think it was just over two years before i started Tiffin green i had this exposure to these people that were super passionate about their business and about how it worked and when you think about like a body being like and having blood that moves around it and that's how like the body functions like money is the blood of a body do you know what i mean like yeah. it is it's what makes a business tick and if you understand that it gives you a massive step up so um i think it did really help in terms of maybe help later because i think i was so i needed it so badly that i didn't actually plan it that well financially i literally just like tossed money on it straight away yeah and that's maybe why another reason why issue one wasn't quite as good as i hoped but then when it came to issue two I was I was way better set up. I was able to do like little calculations of like the optimum order size and stuff like that, and wow. based on like expected sales, do we forecast and like do my accounts, do my tax return. It was like super easy in terms of setting up differently, though. I I don't know. I think I just really trusted my instinct all the time. It wasn't super calculated. I did like when you think about making a magazine, when you calculate how many you're going to print. I did that at the end. I made I made <laughs> the magazine first. Nice. And then I was like, how many I'm going to print and. I still do it that way. Like I still like don't even, I don't want him to tell me if my dad's listening, he's going to be really annoyed because I'm not really the accountant's accountant here. <laughs> I don't even like make a proper budget. I like spend until I think it's right. And then we'll print it. And sure. Like it's maybe not the best way to do it because you might spend a bit, quite a lot of money and stuff, but I'm really interested in getting the right like magazine. Do you know I mean like if I, if I really wanted to make money from this project, I wouldn't be making magazines. Because like there's people don't really read magazines that much anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like my little sister won't buy one because she's like, I don't really read magazines. <laughs> I'll read one if it's on the cocktail, but I'm not going to buy one. But like out of principle, I don't read them anymore. Like I just don't read them, and I don't know. I think it's more. I'm really, really interested in the quality, like the photographers, like the the words as well, like people's stories. I just want to do them as most justice as possible. So. I don't set a, I don't set a budget. Be like, right, we have like five grand to do this issue, and we're just going to like hit that it's like we're gonna give these people's stories like as much like of a platform as possible for people to reach out and like interact with them and i think that's another thing i, I that's, that's probably my biggest takeaway from issue one i was really disappointed for the people in the magazine not for me because it actually sold really well yeah i printed the thousands of the first one expecting no one to buy any and they all sold out what do you mean like and <clears throat> i never really expected that to happen and it really frustrated me for a while that these were sitting in people's homes, like little squashed <laughs> images. And I felt like I hadn't done the people in it justice. You're going to try to break in and steal back every single version of issue one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them. No, I'll be fu- yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it was more like, I was just really focused on after that. It doesn't matter how often they come out or how much money I spend, just make them right. Cause it's about, I don't know. You want to create something that people maybe will hopefully inspire someone and, yeah, that's really what the bottom line is. So maybe you don't really know the answer to this question in this moment, but what is Turf and Grain do you in this moment in time? You know, is it a hobby? 
Is it a business? Is it a side hustle? You know, no, I'm not trying to label you or anything like that. But, you know, for you, when you think about the project, is this something that you want to take forward and really like ramp up and, and I don't know if scale is the right word, but would you, would you like to be working on this part-time, full-time? I know you already are basically working on it full-time, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny one because I, when I was doing my, like my writing freelance and stuff before, I kind of liked that it wasn't my full-time job. And I was kind of thinking, like, if I had to do this full-time, would I enjoy it? If I was, like, under pressure to pay bills with this, would I enjoy it as much as I do now? And, like, I love Turf and Green because I can take my time with it. Because I have my, my accountancy job, it means that it doesn't have to. It can come out when it's ready. And I think that's what I love about it. Like, it yeah. is. So I would say at the moment it is a hobby. Would I love to be working on it full-time? 100%. Because I, I, I do, like you say, I work on it full-time all the time. And um, I, I, well, not all the time. Because I do, when I'm at work, I'm at work. Like, I don't bite the hand that feeds. Yeah. Because, like, do you know what I mean? Because that's where I get all the money for it from. But I think eventually one day I'd love it to be full-time. But if it never reaches that point, I don't mind. Like, I just kind of take it issue by issue almost. Well, I've planned two now, but... um. I don't know. It's a really hard one. Like, I'm not sure the demands out there for me to do it full time. But then I'm really encouraged because I think the biggest hurdle for me now is that getting people to read it. Because when people see it, they love it. Like, I hear such good things back about it, which is just amazing. But then I don't know. I, I sometimes I'll go into like a town and there'll be nowhere that stocks it, and like you or you talk to some people and they've never heard of it before, which is fine. But like. I don't know, maybe that's the next step. I reckon if people knew about it a little bit more, then maybe that's like the next step. So I am doing a wee bit of work on that at the moment, just trying to like maybe get some like videos and made and things for our website and for our social media and stuff. And then, yeah, see how it goes. But it is building every issue. Like not just like based on like social media following and stuff. It's more like the way people are talking about it and things. Like people really engaged with issue three. People loved it. And when I put out like a call for submissions for issue four, it was mad. Like there was hundreds of emails with people like it was all women who could only like, we're going to have a women only team for this issue. And, um, like it was hundreds of emails from, from women around Ireland and abroad as well. who wanted to contribute to this. And I think if I think if I looked back now to, as like from like to when I was like looking to make issue one, it's already a dream come true. So while I would like to have it full time, it's already more than I ever expected it to be. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And do you think that more creative people should be business-minded? Let me rephrase that. How do you balance the business side and the reality of there is a limited amount of funds to spend on this thing with the creative, cultural sort of side, the artistic side? Hmm. I do struggle with it a bit as well because like. I insist on paying everyone who's part of it. Um, some people are really cool about it. Some people are just like, oh, I really wanted to do this. So if you pay my petrol, like to go and like interview George Loden or something, like it'll be that's sweet. And I do appreciate that a lot, but it is tricky because I'd love to make like, for example, the makers issue, I could have made like 10 of those yeah. and I wouldn't have, there would be no dip in quality, but like in the end I had to just cut it off and say like, we can only have 15. Because that's that's the amount of like illustrators, photographers, and writers, and printing costs I can afford to pay. Yeah, and we're going to, we're doing something very similar to issue four. Like we're, it's probably not going to be quite as big as issue three was, but the quality is going to be there. And I think it's just more like getting that balance, like not compromising on quality and seeing what we can do with the funds available. And again, like I said, I don't really have a strict budget, but at the end of the day, like obviously our funds are very yeah. like not they're not <laughs> they're not unlimited, so it is tricky, but. I'd rather have a shorter magazine, which adds more value and not just value in terms of what the readers get, but for the people who contribute, like I was, I, when I was interviewing a guy in, in the West of Ireland, Tom Deutsch Harrison, he makes surfboards. He asked me a really good question. just about like how you're making a magazine about the like, consumerism here with issue three. Like, how do you feel about feeding into that cycle? Like you're just making another product. Wow. And I was like, this is, I met him like, this is like 10 minutes after I met him. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is intense. But um, 
I was saying like, well, we print on like recycled paper, which is like from a printer in Northern Ireland. We pay all the illustrators here like and stuff. We pay all the photographers, all based in Northern Ireland, trying to make it like their full-time job. So we pay all the writers and it's about creating that scene. And when you kind of add all those things up into your product, it's greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you're not just making a product. Like the real takeaway from Turn Green is like the value it's added to the life of the people that have worked on it or been in it or have read it and i think it's hard to put a number on that yeah you mentioned something interesting and one of the questions that actually came in that i really wanted to ask was why in an age where print publications are dying did you decide to to set up a a magazine you know was there any reason why you because you know this could have been a blog it could have been a podcast it could have been a documentary so why was it that you decided to to do the magazine, which I'm very glad that you did, because that's one of the things I love about Turf and Grain is it's this incredible, incredible hold in your hand product. It feels more like a book than a, than a, than a magazine. But, you know, what was going on inside your head? And have you decided, you know what, I'm going to make this high, high quality magazine? I think part of it was really selfish, if I'm honest, because I was always obsessed with magazines. I loved them. Like, I read books, but then I kind of all as I started getting like into my teens, I started becoming much more interested in like design and style and things. And I would have picked up magazines, whether it be like your kind of like more design based magazines or stuff, or like even just like magazines about football or something. I would have read those too. I would have read anything you put in front of me. And I loved, I just loved the idea of them that you go and make a book was so big. And there's so much work, but a magazine you could be like there could be like twelve of those a year. You'd read like twelve things which are really similar in a year. And I just was really obsessed with collecting them as well. I still have quite a big collection. Nice. <laughs> but then um I think the real thing that tossed it for me was I went to Portland after my first year of EY. I was still thinking about this is when I started really feeling I needed more in my job and I did an internship with a magazine based in Portland in like the United States. And this is like it's an international publication and it's it's really, really great. It's still one of my favorites. And um, it was just like the, the pinnacle for me. Like you couldn't get better than that. And there was just like a team of like 10 people. Wow. Super normal people. And I was like, you know, and they're just like, they give me so much confidence that like if they can do it, I can do it. Not in like a really like I'm as good as them kind of way, but it's more like if they're just normal people who started this from nothing, why couldn't something like that happen in Belfast? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I was sitting in 5A one day, like over in Stramalis, like 5A Cafe, and I was just reading some of the magazines on the shelf there, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to make <laughs> one. And I think there is a certain like kind of romance to print as well. Like, I kind of like the idea that the magazines that I've, we've made will sit on people's shelves for a long time, and I do really think Turf and Green is kind of about Ireland and this cultural moment. Like, for example, issue one is about people starting off on their, like, going off on their own and just like we were. And then issue two is kind of exploring the outdoors of Ireland and people growing things here and um, the way, like, we're starting slowly to become, like, more in tune with our environment here because we've been quite bad over the last 50 years. And then Makers is about, like, consumerism and the independent retailer, the independent, like, entrepreneur and... I just really think that we're capturing those people in this moment. So I hope that people look back at it in 50 years and be like, wow, that's a snapshot of what it was like to be an entrepreneur in Ireland 50 years ago. That's awesome. And you don't get that online. Yeah. No, you're, you're 100% right. Definitely. Also as well, like we, we spend so much time on our phones, man. Like you're, well, you're quite good, I think, because you have a, you have a, a wee, burner. Oh, you have a burner. <laughs> I was going to say burner, but that's not sound too dodgy, but like you have a burner and, then like you'd kind of see Instagram as work, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I try um, to do a big disconnect in my life between the online yeah, and the offline. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a better way to put it, sorry. Um, no, I love the burner. <laughs> the burner. Man, I'm going to get one. But anyway, um, yeah, we spend so much time on our phones and people get all their news through Facebook and stuff. And I find social media very tiring. I find it very exhausting. There's just so much on there being bombarded with. I'm used to reading a book and like taking my time to consider stuff. I, I'm one of those people who likes to think about things quite deeply, which isn't always a good thing, just the way I am. <laughs> but um, one of the things I always try and tell people when they're writing for Turf and Green is, or I'm writing myself as well, try and get things when you ask people questions. Like try and find out things about these people that you can't Google. 
because there's definitely things there you can't Google. Say if it's like you chatting to the guys at Root and Branch, should we talk to an issue three? Go and ask them about stuff that isn't on there. Go and ask them something about them. Because they'll have on their website, there'll be loads of stuff about what they do, but not about who they are. Yeah. That's important. It's really important, yeah. I love that. I'm going to totally just steal that. going to pirate it. You're doing it already. (laughs) You're doing it already. So you mentioned Google and stuff. I imagine you've done a lot of YouTubing and blog reading and Googling certain skills that you've needed to make this magazine. For example, like InDesign. Like where did you learn how to use InDesign? I won it. Really? I didn't know... I've not used one YouTube tutorial. What? That's probably what I should have done. You're that's a maniac. That's a really, <laughs> do you know what it was? I, it was just like, it probably took, like issue issue three didn't take me that long to design, but issue two took me so long to design because I didn't know what I was doing. Like, And it, it was it was fine. In the end, I, I obviously sorted it out and stuff. And it was so fun to learn as you went along. Like, You just yeah. have to make sure, like, as soon as I got like, not squashing the pictures right i was flying because you know <laughs> the rest of it is okay like it's the rest of it's visual and i really like that and like it's really like in design for example is just i find it this is not a sponsored in design plug <laughs> but it's really like interface friendly do you know i mean it was just visual and i really like that just like being able to just go and move things around see how it looked i probably changed the format of, of both those like issue two and issue three a couple of times throughout designing them wow. but it was just fun. I like. I like. I'm kind of like that all the time. That's like in my life. I've always been like that. It's my mom always thinks like it's a wee bit of arrogance or something. But I always. I don't think I know best. But I love to try things myself first. I always think I can do that. Wow. And then I always get it wrong. I I made more mistakes. Shocking. Really? Yeah. Because like the design is like the strongest. One of the strongest features of turf and green. Like it looks like in my especially issue three, absolute world class quality. Well, thanks very much. Um, <laughs> like, I find that incredible. So I was expecting to hear, oh yeah, you know, I studied, I did like an InDesign course and, and blah, blah, blah. But the fact that you've been able to do that, I think is quite extraordinary, actually. Thank you. Um, well, when I was kind of doing my publishing experience, it was all kind of more like editing of text. So it was very like, it was some, most of it was actually on paper. Like yeah. A little bit of it was on computer, but most of it was on paper. And I really loved that. So whereas now at work, I'm always on a computer, but... I have always been like that. Just I like to wing it, give it a go, get it wrong, and definitely get it wrong. Like definitely, definitely, I always mess it up, but I always learn from my mistakes. And I think I don't know. I guess I just I don't know. I was just trial and error. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Like, why do you think that part of you's there? Uh, middle child. That's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. I don't know. Like. I think it's more recently. I think for most of my life, I was I was actually a bit of a quitter. If I'm honest, like I had, like I told you earlier, I did some like quite a lot of musical instruments and things, and play different sports, and I kind of all gave them up at different points. Do you know what I mean? And I kind of came back to that when I was sitting in my little cubicle at work in the first year, and I was like, you know what? You just like you've la- you've become an accountant because you give up on everything else. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I I I took up musical instruments again. I like obviously pursued turf and grey and I started playing rugby again at a club in South Belfast and stuff and I just decided I'm not going to give up on things or myself easily anymore do you know what I mean and it's just persistence and at the end of the day like I I do it for myself I don't do turf and grey for people although it's really nice when people say it's yeah. a world class publication like you just said <laughs> I just do it I do it for me at the end of the day that's that's where it started from and I want to get it right for myself it's just a, a sense of accomplishment I guess so it's I'm not afraid to embarrass myself. I'm not afraid to like disappoint myself because there's always another go. Do you know what I mean? Life, I'm only 26. Life is short, and That's it. I'll just have a couple of goes at it. Do you know what I mean? And, like look at issue one. Like I, I really did want to pack it in after that because I do think like all the wee mistakes and stuff really do my head in. But everyone's just like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm trying not to. Yeah, trying not to. But I don't know. Hopefully, in issue two and issue three, I've. I've straightened those out, do you know what I mean? Yeah. One of my favorite articles that's been in Turf and Grain is actually the the bit on imposter syndrome. Mm. Could you maybe just briefly tell us what that is? Well, it, it wasn't actually my idea to have it in there originally. It was I was I was having a meeting with um it's her name's Dee Morgan. She designed my website. So she did a really good job of that as well, by the way. Um 
but she was telling me about a project that she was working on in Dublin with um, a couple of people like Cleo Meldon and Tara, um, Tara McAvoy. Down, no, Tara McAvoy is the head of Sandrine. Natalie Marquez Courtney, excuse me. Um, Natalie Marquez Courtney down in, in Dublin working on a project, just interviewing women across Dublin about imposter syndrome. And I was like, what's imposter syndrome? And yeah, they just laid out for me pretty much like, you feel like you don't belong in what you're doing. You feel like everyone else belongs there, but you don't. You're you are a fraud. You are an imposter, and I think everyone. It's not just creative industries that have it. I think in everything, like people sometimes feel out of place, like they don't belong. And like for example, my when I was doing my accountancy exams at the start, I was sitting in those meetings in my first year and listening to people talk about all these terms that I had never heard of before. You feel like an imposter, my like in a professional and corporate environment, then. In a creative environment, I made issue one. I felt like an imposter because, like, you have magazines like Kinfolk and Apartmento out there, and you've made this, and maybe you don't belong. Maybe you're right about all the insecurities that you had, and I think loads of people feel that way. It's one of those things. It was amazing for me because I'd thought about it before, but never heard anyone else talk about it. Interesting. So you're not sure if it's just you, but then when you like, that's why I love the article. As soon as as soon as Dee told me about that, I was like. We have to do this. Wow. Like, if we're talking about being, like, going off on your own, being an entrepreneur in, in Ireland, we have to include this because everyone has had that. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily asking you for a magic pill, but what, in as far as you've come across in research and, and chatting to people, what tends to be the, the way to overcome that? Because that is quite a universal experience, like you said. I think sometimes we underestimate how much we can surprise ourselves. I think persistence, sadly, is is the only way forward. Like, I don't know. I think you have to have faith in yourself. It's not always easy, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it is just like if you really feel like you don't have the skills, go go learn them. Like like you say, like YouTube is now like you can learn anything on YouTube. You can go read about it. You could like there's such a community amongst creative people generally in Ireland. I think if you ask people for help, they will give it to you. Like, just I don't know. Pers- like, be persistent in one way. Because, like, I think persistence is key in everything. Like, you can be the most talented person in the world, but if you have one disappointment and give up, you're not going to succeed. You need to persist. And, like, I've I started in the magazine business, I've started at the very bottom. I'm yeah. still not very high, but <laughs> I persisted past the level where I was felt like an imposter to a level where I think, like, I'm starting to feel like, okay, we can make something that's decent quality here. Do you know what I mean? And, persistence was the only thing like that that moment where i i wanted to pack it in after issue one i said no like you owe it to yourself not to and i i asked people for a bit more help like um rebecca mcbride in terms of she 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 is an illustrator and an artist and she's very into design so like i just ran a couple of ideas past her when it came to issue two and stuff like talk to your friends who are into the same things like bounce ideas of people like i don't know just all those things so like you said there's no magic pill it's just kind of a but I suppose if there was, it would just be persistence. Yeah. So you, you touched a little bit on how you've started to delegate a mm. lot of the magazine and especially for issue four, because, you, you know, it's all a woman team and you're not a woman. That's obviously yeah. the, the biggest step of delegation in the world. How mm. has that been? You know, what's it like to, because Turf and Grey and I imagine is really like your baby. Yeah. So how do you, how, how do you go about starting to, to hand out pieces of that to, to other people? Um, for me, it's actually been really easy. Like, some people were horrified when I said, like, you know, I'm actually not going to edit this issue. Like, I'm going to hand it off to, it's Kaylee Burton, who's going to take over for me in the reins of this one. And people were, like, really surprised. Like, this is your thing. And I was like, no, I want it to be our thing. Like, um, like you say, it, did, it, it, it does feel like my baby a wee bit, but... I don't know. I think at every, in everything you have to reach a point where you're you're willing to let other people come in and collaborate with you and take it forward. And I really think that this is a, like a step the magazine actually needs. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not just. I think issue two was a lot of people that were my and issue one were both people that were my friends. Do you know what I mean? Like I talked to people that I knew, and that was enough because like I when I talked got around most of them, I was ready to go and talk to people I didn't know. So in issue three, we talked to people, I didn't know any of them. And like, it was kind of almost like a cold call approach. Like, wow. hey, George Loden, do you want to be in Turf and Green 3? And he was like, yeah, sure, why not? 
But then we started getting more people involved in terms of, but up until issue three, it was all me really. And then issue three, like my friend Rachel really helped a lot with that. So it was kind of like I had someone who would come and bounce in ideas and then Kaylee came on board as an editor and she had kind of like, like edit a portion of the magazine and stuff. And we had like some different writers and things and it really made the magazine better just because lots of different voices just kind of drove the, drove the quality up because I'm just, I'm just too busy to do it all myself. Yeah. Especially now, like issue two is a wee bit sh- like smaller than issue three, but I'm too busy to do it all myself. And I realized that like collaboration was the way for it to really move on. Like, so for issue four, like I said, we had hundreds of emails of people wanting to contribute in some way to the magazine. So I think every article in this one could have a different writer. Every, every, all the photographs could be taken by different people. And, um, yeah. And then it's up to Kaylee to tie together that content and then Alice design it and hopefully try and focus a bit more on the business side. But, when you think about it, does that not sound like much more of a healthy setup than yeah. me just doing it all by myself? Hundred percent. In every way, like creatively, financially, like emotionally, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like and I really wanted it to be p- inclusive from the start. Even when I was talking earlier about the kind of setting up like website project of for Turf and Green at the start, it was about showcasing people's work. Do you know I mean it was about getting people involved and creating something of a scene if we could? And the fact that we're at the level now where we can. I'm actually so delighted because like I said, it's more than I ever hoped or expected to achieve. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm actually like, I'm honored to do it. Do you know what I mean? I'm honored to give people like Kaylee the chance that to do something like this. Cause it's, I think it's a, it's a singular opportunity for people in Ireland to do it. Yeah. I've never done it, but I can imagine that when it comes to the deadline of getting something like this to the printers mm. and then getting it distributed. I imagine emotionally that can be like a kettle about to boil over <laughs> quite a lot of pressure. I think stress. I kind of thrive under pressure. Really? I love it. Like it's another thing I didn't really realize until they did my accountancy exams, but I really thrive under pressure. Um, yeah, I just become very organized and I just get things done yeah, so it was stressful, and I do all the ones and all the all our wonderful retailers are in Northern Ireland because all the people at Stocker Magazine are independents. We That's don't. Cool. I've had some approaches from like the bigger chains and stuff who would have distributed themselves and things, but I don't want to go that route. I want to support like the local business, so like people like Maven off Lisbon Road, like Woven and Banbridge, like BTS Concepts up in the North Coast, like those guys. I'd normally hand deliver to those guys. Part of that's because I like going and meeting them. I'm like, <laughs> I like those guys are like our partners and our friends. Do you mean so? I like to go and just like drop in and say hello. But when it comes like the down south and I were shipping internationally, I just have to post them as we go. And I get orders like every week, and I just have to go to the post office. I go to the post office like three times a week. Wow, myself to post them. Do you know what I mean? But the deadline for the printer isn't so bad because the printer is like it takes in like a week to do it. You just need to get them the final proof and. Yeah, we had a bit of an issue with our last one, our last issue, issue three, when we had kind of booked out a venue for a launch party and the 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 printer had kind of hoped to have things ready and stuff, but this couldn't be done in time just because I was I was probably a bit too late really if I had given it to him a week a week earlier, I might have got it done. But it's tough, but it's one of those things you just have to do your best, don't you? But it, it, I enjoy it. Like I I enjoy that pressure. I enjoy finally getting something off my computer screen. And into people's hands, like it isn't like um, when I when I finished designing issue three, I was almost sick of it because I'd read everything in it like a hundred times. I I like seen it on my computer. I'd done all the design. I just wanted to get the product done. I wanted to get like the magazine in my hand. I wanted people to read it. Like nothing gives me more satisfaction than, like sitting in a cafe and seeing someone read Turf and Green. It's actually amazing. Like <laughs> this feels good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Did that answer your question? Very very much so. <laughs> yeah. Going to move change gears a little bit here and move into a little more of a like a quick fire sort of round i've never asked this question before i've heard other people ask it but for some reason i thought it would be an interesting one for you okay tim ferris asks this in his book and it's so interesting to hear everyone's answers but he says if you could put one billboard up let's say in i don't know shasbury square or or some other part in belfast 
what would you put on it or you know maybe like a quote or for everyone who walking past or driving past what's the one thing that you would like them to hear or know okay i've got one i actually thought this when you started reading that i thought it'd be really tricky snap let's do it so i actually i heard a really good piece of advice once again from i interviewed um a wonderful person called mary reynolds for issue two she is like um she works with landscapes and stuff. She would never want to be called a gardener, but she, she, and that's not what she is. She's, she's, she works with landscapes and she works with like the natural land stuff. But we were talking about what, it, what it's like to live here in Ireland. And I had always said like, Oh yeah, I used to always want to travel away and live abroad. And she's like, you know what? Like people talk about places like Copenhagen and Berlin and New York and Portland and stuff. And they always say like the grass is greener on the other side, but the grass is always going to be greener on the other side. If you don't water what's around you, Wow. So I think that would be my quote. Like the grass will always be greener on the other side if you don't water what's around you. <laughs> and it's so true. It's just so, I think it's so like, what's the word? Synonymous with what Turf and Green is trying to do. Like open your eyes. There's great stuff here. Like go make it happen here. And I think Belfast especially is like, it's such a, it's such a small city. But like, I think if you can if make anything work in Belfast, you can scale it up. Yeah. So try it here. Let's get it going. Like, come on, like, I don't know. So I think it's so inspiring. That's amazing. What would you describe as your greatest success thus far in your long 26 years Ooh. roaming around the green planet? <laughs> I'm not very good this way. I'm, I think a lot of people would say I'm quite hard on myself. That's I why I ask this question. <laughs> I think Turkin Green has to be my greatest success. Like, I, my accountancy exams were really great for me because... I don't, like I said, I'd always been a quitter and those were tough and I hung in and passed them. But I think Turf and Green, because just of what what it's given me personally, just I another reason that I kind of made it was because I didn't really know that many people in Belfast anymore because like I said, all my friends laughed and the people I've met through it, the people that like have given me quotes like the one I just told you from Mary Reynolds, just like feeding into my life and stuff and I know other people have been like kind of inspired in the same way and if I've made one person inspired to be living here, I think that is definitely success in my eyes. And I still think I've achieved it a little bit. So I'm going to go with, with that. I love that, man. Really cool. Flip side of that, what would you describe as your greatest challenge? Challenge? Turf and Green. <laughs> Turf and Green very rarely feels like work. So I wouldn't say it's my greatest challenge. I think it's just... Does that have to be right now or can it be historically in my life? I know, or? historically, yeah. Well, I actually, I don't, I don't know like how much you want to talk about this, but I struggled with depression for a lot of my teenage years, like big time. And I think it's one of the reasons why I quit and everything. Yeah. I had no self-worth at all. And um, yeah, I, I, I just really struggled with that for a long time. And I kind of overcame it a couple of years ago. Just kind of, I always saw depression as something that happened to other people. I actually didn't like admit it to myself that I was depressed until I was maybe like 22, 23. And then as soon as I did, I was like, Oh wow. Like need to fix this now. And yeah, after that, I kind of just started being a bit more of a doer and I just tried to like give myself actual things that I would accomplish that would make me feel like better about myself. And yeah, I actually, in issue one, I interviewed a guy called Daniel Edmund who runs a, a charity for about like, raising awareness of like men's mental health called milk for tea. And, um, I interviewed him and he told me about his struggles with depression and stuff. And if you can read it in issue one, if you can, if you can find one somewhere. And, um, yeah, I told him after I interviewed him, I kind of felt bad for not telling him about what I'd been through. So then I told him, he's like, do you know what you should do? Like you should go and like tell everyone. It's like, have you told anyone about that before? I was like, no, he's like, you should just go and share it. And I shared on my Instagram, I made a little video on my personal Instagram. And I just like put up saying like, hi, my name's Simon. Like I've been like depressed for like 10 years, but now I'm like, finally feel like I'm through it. And you, I could not believe how many people responded to that. Like wow. it was so great. Like people I hadn't seen or heard from, from in years or people who just like picked up on the video through a hashtag or something. And just like from that moment on, I just really felt like I was over it. It was just so great. Do you know what I mean? That's brilliant. So it, it was a big challenge in my life just because it was weighing me down. I didn't even know it. Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah, when I got through it, it was just, it, my life has just been so great since. Yeah. No, I really appreciate you sharing that. Depression is something that I've walked through 
in my own life, especially in my, my teenage years as well. And it's really, I'm glad that we have the opportunity even just to like talk about it. Yeah. So it's really great. It's, it's really prevalent, I think. And people just kind of do sweep it under the carpet, yeah. don't they? What do you, is there anything, again, we don't need to go any deeper than you want to. Is there anything that you do in your life now to sort of protect yourself from that? Yeah, I got a tattoo on my arm. Oh, I don't know. I did not know you had a tattoo. I can't really show the viewers, but I can show you. <laughs> Maybe I'll show you later because I got my coat on. But um, yeah, it's effectively just like, it's a little symbol, which effectively means everything's going to be all right. I took it from a TV show, which I really like, um, Twin Peaks. Unbelievable. People are going to be like, he's such a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really got into that show and there's a wee sign at the end of it and just like someone holds up like two hands. And effectively what that sign means is like, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. So I got that tattoo on my arm a couple of years ago. Well, last year. I say a couple of years ago. Last year. And um, just having it there, it is a reminder. But I don't know. I just also try and just practice gratitude often. Like I have such, like, I love where I live. I have great people in my life. I have a good job. Like I have nothing that, should be weighing me down and i know if there's ever days when i'm not feeling great i have people to turn to and i just like actively talk about now if there are days like that now i think it's really important because just to have those people you can just go to and they just will like accept that do you know what i mean that today isn't a good day definitely if you could take anyone from northern ireland out for coffee who would it be and why i think based on um just going and seeing some of his paintings recently, I think I would take Colin Davidson out for a coffee. Just like I was, he did a piece of work called Silent Testimony, which I think is quite well known here. And it's effectively, he, he, he did paintings of, um, I, I think it's people who's, of families of people who died in the Troubles. And um, yeah, he just did, a, he, did a, he did a series of paintings of those people and they're just really emotional portraits and they're just beautiful and, they say so much and then also it's like for example i just love to ask him about those just to take him out and ask him like in terms of like even like the journalism side of that how did you approach that project like and what a journey emotionally do you mean to do that so i think i would take him maybe he could teach me how to paint that would be interesting if you do record it because that would be very interesting like <laughs> He approaches those people, you know, to yeah. set up even even in a, a preliminary chat. Yeah. That would be very, very interesting. Good shout, man. He taught Brad Pitt how to paint as well. What? So I'd like to hear that story. <laughs> but I think Brad Pitt just contacted him and then just he turned up at his house and he taught him how to paint. Wow. So I'd like to learn a bit more about that. Like, for Turf and Grain-wise, do you have a dream interview? No, I. this is something I, I try and reinforce. Maybe in issue three we moved away from it a wee bit. Like, I don't think... Like, I personally don't believe in, like, the cult of celebrity. Like, I think everyone's just a person, do you know what I mean? And even though some people, like, you can respect people's achievements. Like, like Liam Neeson's a great actor, do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's achieved a lot. But um, at the end of the day, he's just a guy who's who's achieved a lot, do you know what I mean? Um, so I really believe any everyone has a story that you, they can just tell you that will make you think about something differently. Like, it could just be, like, the wee guy you see walking down the street past you and you stop them and you could tell you about something you never heard of before. And I don't know, there's... I've they've all been dreams like that sounds so like that sounds so like cliche or something um but for just like the access I've had into people's studios for example in issue three we got to go into the studios of like Derek Wilson the ceramicist or like Annie Atkins who makes graphics for like Wes Anderson films and stuff and wow. just the fact that I've we've had those George Lone who makes guitars and all those like everyone like everyone like they've all said something really interesting or really that's made me think about something else so I don't know anyone that sounds really bad maybe I don't know if, if I give you a name I'd probably go for Colin Davidson again yeah yeah nice one Simon last question well maybe second last if you could take yourself let's say like your 16 year old self out for coffee to the Lyric Theatre what advice would you give him and why I think it goes back to what we we're talking about in terms of like mental health and stuff. I think it would just be like, talk to people, like breathe, like you're okay. Do you know what I mean? Just like chill out a bit. Like don't worry. Don't put too much pressure on yourself and just be reassuring. I think to that person, 
But then also, I'm a really daft person in real life. Like, I make loads of stupid, silly <laughs> mistakes. I, I parked at my girlfriend's house the other day and I left the handbrake off. Ah! And I rolled down the hill. Apparently, I meant to put the car in first gear. Yeah. I didn't know that before. But not, see, now you know. Not, there you go. Story, <laughs> that's, I think that is the story of my life. You just have to, like, yeah, learn and put it in first gear. I don't know. But it was, it was, no one got hurt. I went into a fence and broke the fence, but everyone was fine. That's great. And we laugh about it now, but maybe just be like, Mate, put that in first game. <laughs> <laughs> um, who has helped you make all of this possible? Are there any kind of key people? I'm not asking you to have to name everybody because it could turn into a bit of a Oscar speech scenario where you feel pressured to thank every single photographer and, and illustrator, but kind of key people along the way who've helped you out. Yeah, I I think I could be here for a long time thanking individuals. So I'll I'll try and... I just like to thank everyone who's been involved. Do you know what I mean? It was like people, when I started the project, a lot of people didn't believe I would do it. It's like, it was just like, um, I tell them, I'm going to make a magazine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm actually going to make it. And they're like, okay, fine. Like, I believe you. And I was like, okay, here's a magazine I made. They're like, whoa. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So like, all the people that kind of believed in me at the start and things and all the people who like stock the magazine like all those independent retailers like it's hard enough like being they're being forced out by these massive chains and stuff and they've taken a chance in my little magazine that i make in my bedroom do you know what i mean like it's so cool do you know what i mean those guys and the team around me and stuff have been so good like especially with issue three it's just grown so much because having these people so that would, then the kind of main team would then be like like rachel um mcqueen and kelly burton who are the other editors and then you have like the, the main kind of photographers like Macy Stewart, like Rachel McCullough, like Faith Harton and stuff. Um, those guys, and then D, who designed my website. So every single person who's just like been part of it, like people who bought it, like I don't know if people realize when they buy it that they're supporting something local, and they're not just supporting like a magazine. They're supporting the people who work on the magazine. They're supporting the people who are featured in the magazine. They're supporting like the scene. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It is so amazing. Yeah. Are there any copies of issue three left? There are a, there are maybe about three hundred of issue three. Okay. There are about fifteen <laughs> of issue two, and there are no issue ones left. So, for someone listening who has never heard of Turf and Green before and would be interested in pick one up, where is the best place for them to to do that? Um, we have independent retailers all across Ireland, so pretty much every large town in ireland will have a copy somewhere but i'd say the best place is probably online so like it's like turfandgrain.com really and you can also find those out through like find links to where you can buy it through like instagram such as turf and green instagram or even on facebook just turf and green again so yeah because who knows what stock will do by the time this comes out who knows <laughs> simon amazing man thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you did really appreciate it no thanks very much for having me it's, it's been a privilege thank you good luck wish you all the best with issue four and beyond uh, thanks amazing dude cheers thanks all right folks matthew here again just to close out our time together and bring the episode to an end just want to give a really big thank you to simon from turf and green for sharing everything he did with us and being incredibly honest in this interview of course, I highly recommend you pick up a copy of the magazine on turfandgrain.com. That's turf, A-N-D, grain.com. Or, of course, wherever you see them. It makes a real nice change to set the screen down for a while and just to get lost in some local stories. As you can imagine, I am all about that. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen all the way through. I think there's so much to take away from today and there's definitely loads to think over. If you'd like to hear more chats like this, please do subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to it or sign up to our email newsletter at bestofbelfast.org. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day and I hope to see you here next time. Until then, my name is Matthew Thompson and I wish you all the very best. Cheers. Hi everyone, I'm Claire Dodge, GM of Ormo Baths, a tech hub and co-working facility based in the historic Victorian bathhouse in the heart of Belfast city centre. Back in the good old days... Best of Belfast was my commute entertainment. Listening to the inspiring stories of Northern Irish people following their dreams and making magic happen was a great start or end to my day. 
Now that I've been working from home, I've kept up the same routine and it's a great way for me to continue to brighten my days. My favourite episode, well, it has to be from one of our dear members of our Omabaz community, Mr. Mark Todd. It was really inspiring and it just made me feel very peaceful, at rest and happy knowing that there's excellent people doing excellent things within Northern Ireland. It is our delight and our pleasure to have Best of Belfast based out of the Armo Baths. And we're excited about what's coming next. So if you've been on the fence about joining the Producers Club and would miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't here, I'd highly recommend you joining today. Pop on over to bestofbelfast.org and I look forward to seeing you in our WhatsApp group very soon.